Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode 38. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed children's book author of Our Scrumptious Lake Phytotastic, Sandy Murphy. Sandy. And I'm excited too. <laughs> 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 the first thing I do, I noticed your book. I remember noticing your book on Facebook and I remember seeing that. I'm like, this is a got an eight-year-old who loves who loves reading kids' comics. Serendipitously, I ran into you at the Jericho. It was like the Jericho farm harvest, like that fall harvest market. Harvest market, yeah. Well, it was the first so first of all, I recognized the the book cover and I said, I know that book. My six-year-old, my eight-year-old just gravitated towards the puppets. I had Plankton. Okay, yep, yep. And I also had General Butler. Mm -hmm. And I had Miss Biggie Mouth. Miss Biggie Mouth, the pink one, right, yeah. Those are really the main characters. The main, main characters are Phytoplankton and Vermaid. Mm -hmm. However, um, General Butler and Miss Biggie Mouth would be right below them in rank and right. in, in ranking of, of character yeah. ranking yeah. yeah there's some of some humor inside of it it's very much an, an amazing kids comic that you that you put together and you put it together with you know you had some friends that helped you out um karen neeson helped you out with that kind of, kind of wrote it and also did some illustrations but then you also had a a, a local cartoonist that that is in vermont and mark hughes helped you out with most of the illustrations correct that's correct. Absolutely. It was, and the collaboration was, um, you know, went beyond the three of us, but certainly we were the, the authors and illustrator. Yeah. So talk, to, so talk to us, you have, you have a passion for this field and I just want to kind of give people a little bit of background of what the genesis of this, this kid's middle grade graphic novel came from. Um, I could go as far back as just my upbringing. Um, I was raised on a dairy farm. Also had the privilege of being along Lake Champlain mm. and, you know, right ac- accessible to the entire family. So we would just like, you know, run down and cool off in the water. And, you know, it was definitely a resource that was something that at the time, I didn't realize how precious it was, but um, as I became older and a little bit wiser um, and started to recognize that there were some changes going on, much of it was unfavorable. So obviously in the last 20 years, well, probably the last 10, there's been great attention on Lake Champlain and the health of the lake. But um, my friend Karen and I, who have spent a great deal of time together, had just finished up a science camp called, it was called Crane Brook Camp. Crane Brook happens to run through my property here in Underhill. And so we had the opportunity for the campers that were in this camp, summer camp that we had here 
have the privilege of playing in the the brook and they had they really inspired us they had lots of questions about water and um so they were a piece of this impetus we also had a lot of questions knew that we should really probably check into this and our checking into this became really almost an obsession <laughs> because um we were we started just like making these field trips you know like oh let's go to this workshop let's go to this museum let's try to you know better understand this and um we happened i i would say another huge impetus to our book was a another author called dan egan and um he is from michigan and authored a book called uh, The Death of the Great Lakes. And he was presenting at UVM. And we felt like, for no exaggeration, we felt like he was talking to us. Hundreds of people are here. They're from all sorts of committees, whether it's the Lake Champlain Committee or the Watershed Alliance or, you know, this or that. He said, I'm, you know, basically preaching to the choir here. He said, we need just common citizens from out there to come in and listen to this. And we, Karen and I just looked at each other and said, he's talking about us because we probably were the only people there that didn't have one of those little fancy name tags on that right. said, you know, what committee or organization we were from. We were just two educators who wanted to become more educated. So um, we took it upon ourselves to use his words and really dig deep into why the health of Lake Champlain was the way it was. And then as we started digging, we're like, oh my, we need to really share this. Mm -hmm. And then the questions you know, became even bigger. Like, well, how do we want to share this? Who do we want to share this with? We, as both teachers, felt like it was students who needed to hear this. Adults already were in their adult world. Those who were interested in this kind of matter were in those organizations. You know, we happened to be in a room, a, a room that was full of those people. So they're trying create solutions we need the younger kids to to be involved and how can we get them involved and as educators we also realized that it wasn't by doing the blah 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 type lecture it sort of was just mushroom mushrooming how we were going to go about it but we knew it had to be humorous mm. we knew it had to be entertaining we knew that it had to be engaging. And we hope that we hit those components of our book. <laughs> Anyways, phytoplankton is the foundation of the food chain, the aquatic mm. food chain. So who's the most significant? Without phytoplankton, we take phytoplankton out of the scheme of things, then there's no food chain because that's, all organisms depend on phytoplankton. And mm. that, that's you and I also. When I talk about organisms, we don't have to be a... I mean, we 
thrive on water. So um, phytoplankton produces more oxygen than any other plant on this earth. Wow. Yeah. So what I, that was probably one of my most baffling facts that I acquired as we were delving into all, you know, all this information. And um, I tell people, take a breath, then take another breath, and then thank phytoplankton. Because um, if you Google how much oxygen phytoplankton produces, you might get a Google that says 75%. You might get another site that says 80%. You might get another site that says 65. But one thing we know for sure is it's 50% or greater. And that's why when we were writing the book, we, we were so, so um, mindful about. So the book is based on facts, even though it's a fiction story. Um, so in the book, I believe we reference phytoplankton as producing more than half of the oxygen. Right. Yeah. And, and so you, you, you came so you, you made the decision to have a base based off of phytoplankton. So you have amazing characters in here. Was that, who came up with all that, all the, the fun and engaging, you know, characters that are in the graphic novel? Well, you know, both Karen and I, I mean, we collaborated yeah. on a, you know, a weekly basis and um, at times it became pretty silly. Karen's a pretty silly person too. Um, and she's extremely creative. And us two together were a bit combustible at times with just like the energy <laughs> flowing. And, you know, there was sometimes we're like, okay, cut. You know, we're getting a little out of hand. But we knew that the characters had to be, had to be ones that, would be relatable. I guess that's the the most effective word to use. Um, mm. And so we wanted to make sure that these characters uh, reflected personalities that are just out there in the world. And whether you're seven years old, 12 years old, or 50 years old, we all know these personalities. I'll start with Vermaid because Vermaid is the lake limnologist. She is a, a mermaid. Um, her name Vermaid comes from the Green Mountains, the state of Vermont. And um, she is of Abenaki heritage. So if you see the pictures of her tail and you look mm. really closely, you'll see some patterns that we sought out that would reflect the Abenaki patterns that are typical. Um, and then, so anyways, Vermaid is the, the scientist who really is quite a matter of fact. She knows what she's talking about. And there are those people out there who just know what they talk about. They're composed. And again, she's the speaker of the lake. Then we have General Butler, who is, should I show you the puppets as I'm speaking? Or yeah, if you want to, go for it. Okay, yeah. I'll show you. So this, this is Vermaid. We wanted her to not be someone really, really beautiful, but someone that's middle-aged and female scientist making reference to General Butler, who is named after a famous shipwreck in Lake Champlain. 
and uh, he can be kind of gruff at times and sometimes for good reasons. <laughs> One of them is this, this character here. This is um, Miss, oh, by the way, General Butler is a yellow perch. Okay. So all the organisms, all the characters, other than, of course, Vermaid, are representing um, organisms from Lake Champlain. So this is Miss Big Mouth Bass, who is a largemouth bass. And uh, she will do anything to get attention, and particularly <laughs> from General Butler. <laughs> absolutely adores General Butler. But one thing, I, I'm not going to give everything away. I'm trying to get this in the picture here. But I will say this. She makes a pretty good transformation um, in the story. She is first this self-absorbing fish who thinks that she is it and that there's no one else who can be as beautiful and witty as her. And to be quite honest, she's really not either one of those that much. <laughs> but with that said, it's all a matter of interpret, you know, <laughs> interpretations and whatever. This is phytoplankton. Phytoplankton is a microscopic organism, is the foundation of the food chain, as I said. He looks a little dorky because it projects kind of how he feels about himself. He doesn't really have all that great self-esteem. He doesn't know what his purpose is in life. So he kind of is just not really fitting in with the crowd. Right. But he also makes some pretty good transformations throughout the story. And um, a sort of a giveaway here. He has a cape on because he is our hero. Mm. Hey, when you produce more than 50% of the oxygen in the world, um, I think you deserve a the cape. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, right now, I just finished making this creature and have not put the rod in her yet, but this is zooplankton. And zooplankton is um, a type of plankton, but it's a different type of plankton. It's, it's an animal organism, as phytoplankton is a plant-like organism. They're both planktons. But just for clarification, there are thousands and thousands of different types of plankton. So mm. at any rate, this is a zooplankton, and she is a wrapper. And she has some pretty good rapping. Of course, that's my opinion, but some pretty <laughs> rapping songs that help others to understand what plankton does for the world. So those and um, right now, Champ is not here because that's another creature I'm working on, but we cannot have a book about Lake Champlain and not have champ in it right yeah yeah of course i know because this book is 94 pages it is a huge graphic novel it is not it's so to be clear this isn't like a tiny children's book that you would sit down and, and read at a bedtime this is 
what challenges or opportunities did you find writing out a graphic novel, like a children's graphic novel script as compared to like, say like a long form prose? Oh, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) There are all sorts of challenges. Um, Some of it was really organic though, where it was just Mm. like we started bursting these ideas out and then realizing, okay, we need to sync, we need to uh, get some sort of sequential event going. And so then we would back up and start to talk about, you know, where the plot was going to be happening and, and, you know, where best to put it. And um, because basically the, the peak or the, the climax is the cyanobacteria bloom. From there on, it's all a matter of like seeking out those solutions and whatever. There were so many challenges. I just don't know where to start. But in the same breath, I have to say it was a lot of fun. Um, It was an exhausting journey, but it's not one that I would ever um, regret because it Mm. was just such, it it was self-fulfilling in the sense of I learned so much myself. We started out with all these questions and all of a sudden I feel like I can talk about these organisms with some sort of depth to it. Did you have Mark Hughes already involved or did you find, say we need to, now we need to find an illustrator for this? Um, so when we thought we were done with the, <laughs> the story, um, we, or we thought we were close to it, we were like, okay, we need to start finding an illustrator. And we did do um, a number of interviews to try to find the right person to illustrate this book. And as we started to make decisions, right. we recognized that a big piece of what we wanted was this to be as much Vermont based as possible. And so we hands down chose Mark and we are very grateful for choosing Mm. Mark. Um, You know, he, he tolerated a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There were a lot of changes that were made throughout the period because we thought we were done. And then, so, you know, then we would look at it again and we would change it. And what one of the faults of, I believe Karen would be fine with me saying this is both her and I are somewhat perfectionist. So what happened was the book, I would, my partner kept saying to me, the book's got to be finished, you know? And I said, no, no. And uh, this is two years ago. And then I realized after, it was about a year ago. I was like, yeah, this book's got to be finished. We change it anymore. We're going to just be making it upside down. (laughs) And, um, you know, we just kept changing it and changing it. And we recognized that we needed to stop. I think any good writer would say, although maybe this is debatable, that you can just keep looking at your literature and finding a way to refine it Mm. because there's that's the beauty of writing is in so many ways you have to call the shot when it's done because writing's never really done it's just such a process so that that part really fascinated me too but about the editing um 
so for editors, of course, we did what you're not supposed to do. We started asking family members, <laughs> you know, people like, don't do that because they're just going to say it's good. Um, but actually, most of the family members gave us some really good um, suggestions. And then we sought out a few members who were not family members, such as uh, the science teacher here at Mount Mansfield. I happened to know him and so not well though. Um, but I sought him out and I said, could you review this? And he did. And I believe he did with a lot of thoughtfulness because he did have some uh, contributions that we took and made changes to. And then we also had um, Julie Moore, who is the secretary of the Agency of Natural Resource for the state of Vermont. And what we loved about her comments and inputs was she dialed into the invasive species um, domain of this book because we do speak about that. We touch upon a lot of different areas, but don't go too far into it just because mm. then it would be a couple hundred page book and we didn't want that. But anyways, um, we love the few suggestions that she gave us there. So um, there was some there were some people who really dialed into the grammar piece and would would that was awesome. And then there was people who were dialing into the content piece. So we did, we had some great, uh, um, oh, and another person we asked was the local librarian. Mm. And we were so pleased that she accepted, you know, looking at it. And also it was evident that she had given some thought to the, the book and gave us her feedback. And it was so important mm. to have that. Because obviously, once you have an illustrator, you can't change the script very much. You gotta the font. What happened was we weren't we were so focused on the content that we weren't paying attention to <laughs> Mark using all capital letters, and oh, we yeah, got right. to the end of the book and we're like, "Oh my goodness, we don't want this. We want this to be very readable." To you know. Um, you know, third graders who are, you know, still identifying their lower and upper case. I know that many comics traditionally it is uppercase, but we just, mm. we just felt like we would not be serving the students that we knew best by doing all uppercase. So then, um, just due to some challenges that Mark had with the font, we had to hire someone out to change all the font of the book. And that took a little bit of time. Oh, so there wow. were, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there was always these little pieces that kept delaying us a little bit. We got to a point where like, we've just got to, we got to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> Did you identify Onion River Press before or after identifying an illustrator? How did that process oh, no. work? Illustrator was definitely long before that. Okay. Um, and then um, in the meantime, we did send out about 10 um, agent letters. We were seeking an agent. 
And we had spent so much time just reviewing all the literature on how to seek out an agent and how to write an, you know, a letter seeking an agent. And all of a sudden we were like, whoa, we're spending so much time on this. And we, we, out of those 10, we got someone that, you know, had responded and said, oh, we're interested, send us more. Well, we had no more to send them at the time because we had not delved into our appendix, which our mm. appendix is a really big piece of our book. In our appendix, we have um, a glossary. We have uh, a section that has the next generation science standards, as well as the common core uh, literacy standards um, aligned with activities that are applicable to the book and specifically to certain chapters. And we tried to, we were, that in itself was another laborious journey, not mm. complaining, but it was laborious. Um, <laughs> so anyways, we didn't have anything more to send and we realized that that was premature. And then as time went on, so we stopped sending letters and then we started seeking out other authors and ask, asking them like, well, should we do this? Should we do that? And there was a couple people, local authors recommended that perhaps we might want to just self-publish. And we thought about it and we thought to ourselves, we don't want another two year delay. Right. We heard that it could be roughly two years. I mean, it can be longer, it can be shorter, but there's that span. And this is a this is a matter, an environmental concern right now that we want. I mean, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of press about it. And we just want this book to be really applicable to right now. Mm. Um, hey, in some ways, I hope that the book is is not needed in about five, 10 years, because we're all so fine with all the health makes period. But we just wanted it to be in a timely manner. So Mm. we decided to self-publish. And again, we spent, who do we go with? And doing, you know, the price comparison and whatever. And we ended up going with Onion River, again, mainly because they're from Vermont. Right. And we just felt like, hey, homegrown. We have, you know, a person doing our font from Vermont. We have the illustrator from Vermont. Mm -hmm. The authors are from Vermont. Um, We just decided we wanted to really stick with the homegrown piece. Right. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's a, as a children's graphic novel, you can't get any more in Vermont by having you like, you know, an Abenaki mermaid with, you know, Lake Champlain having champ. I mean, it's all, it's pretty much very, as you say, very Vermont themed, especially yeah, with yeah. The, the the main mission and values of environmental stewardship. Stewardship is important too. Absolutely, but, I did want to just mention one thing about um, Vermaid again, um, and that is we recognized that it was crucial for us to have that be something that was acceptable within the Abenaki tribe. And Mm. so we sought out speaking to a few different people a little bit more time with was Melody Brooke Walker, who is one of the people that I guess you would call endorsed our book in the back of the book. Uh, Excuse me. I called her Melody Brooke Walker, Melody Walker Brooke. So she 
is, you know, one of the prominent um, Abenaki people who has served in a couple different capacities. And we had some great conversations with her and she went back and spoke to some other people within the Abenaki tribe. And she said, yes, you know, this is something that we're okay with and mm -hmm. kind of gave us the thumbs up. So we, we were trying to be sensitive with so many different pieces. And right. we also just wanted to be also careful about how we presented things. And, and so because there's a, obviously a very large educational component to this, are there uh, other, and I think you had like coloring pages and there's other educational materials that, that come with the book as well? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> the, the book itself, I mean, the back of the book is just all in itself, like a you could use as a curriculum. And interesting okay. enough that you're mentioning that because I am working with a school in Southern Vermont right now, um, twice a week. Um, I am meeting with uh, two different small classes and I am using this book uh, to essentially enhance their understandings of the cultural and history and ecological pieces of Lake Champlain, as well as just a better understanding of all fresh water. So mm -hmm. that's exciting that I have that opportunity to be using this book um, and implementing a curriculum. So there are, I'm hoping, we've been so busy with just publishing it, finally getting it published. Um, but, and now we're realizing we're up against a whole nether hill. It's like, now we have to market. And that's not <laughs> something that we have done very well at all. Um, and I'm hoping that the pieces will um, start to take place and propel us into a, a different mode. Um, both Karen and I are not really savvy when it comes to social media. So I think that's put us behind a little bit, but um, the puppets, one of the main reasons for the puppets is the hope to go into schools and um, present uh, possibly a portion of the book. Um, right now I've done, I, I did do a presentation at Grand Isle State Park at the end of August when the book had just come out and um I was like, I, I've got to do something this summer. Uh, so I took chapter eight and it was such a glorious opportunity. I was at the beach on Grand Isle State Park with my puppet set up. And in the background is Lake Champlain. And it was a sunny, beautiful day. And I had the opportunity to talk about cyanobacteria bloom to uh, there was 50-ish people there and it wasn't even advertised. So I just felt so privileged to be able to talk about this to these people who, who had a lot of meeting to, obviously they care about the lake. They were there. And right. I'm hoping that this is going to happen more. Um, I do know that the state park has welcomed me to do more of this. So that is definitely a plan for the upcoming summer, but right. hopefully lots of other plans too. <laughs> and so what do you so uh, because as you said there's some really good curriculum ideas for this 
you're doing some school talks. Um, where where else do you see this going? Do you see yourself putting any like sequel books to this? Because you can you kind of kind of created a good theme here. Are you you and Karen must be chatting about some ideas that are spawning off of this? Actually, right now I think both of us are just so like we need a break. <laughs> haven't really, you know, I don't think thought about it any further than that. So who knows? Right. Who right. knows? Leave who all knows? windows open. <laughs> so, so Sandy, if people want to learn more about the book, well, what is the best place they could go to? Well, I love promoting local bookstores. So mm. I would say right off the bat, if you're interested in the book, go to a local bookstore. They okay. are there. And if for some reason you go to a store um, somewhere in Southern Vermont that doesn't have it, they will order it for you if you ask. Obviously, you can go to the website, our website, um, phytotasticlakes.com. Um, so, and you can go to Amazon as well. Yeah. So there's- They could also go through- they could also, if they'd like, they could go through Onion River Press as well, right? To purchase it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, if you if you're local to if you are local to Burlington, that it is available also at Phoenix Books. It's yes, mentioned yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, it happens to be in a couple bookstores like Heroes Welcome and North Hero. It happens to be in um, the Waterbury Bookstore on Bridgestone, I believe it's called. There's a few different places that the book is in. Hopefully it'll just be everywhere. I just want to say this. This is a book that um, is particularly suited to upper elementary students and maybe, you know, the middle school, but it's really for all ages. Um, if you like water, if you're interested in water, it's for you. And who isn't interested in water? <laughs> there you go. Right. So this is great. As we say, it's a, it's a it's a perfect it's a perfect book for people that are actually from Vermont. It's a good book for people that want to learn more about Lake Champlain. It's a great book also for uh, tourists and people want to learn more about Vermont because you have a lot of Vermont themes, a lot of Vermont Easter eggs, as they call them, like little tiny things in there that people would want to learn more about. But as I say, this is, this is great. Um, and also Sandy, you got to come, come back on when you have your, have a next book come out. This has been great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Might be a while. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sandy. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome.